Why the fuck won't you go past negative eight on recording right now? Did I hit a button I didn't mean to? Ah, fuck it. Oh, I know the problem. It's fucking software side. That's the And welcome to I Thought They Smelled Bad on the Outside, a show that, well, this one time, we was in a bar, not playing yet, anyhow, and this old man with his funny hat tells us we have to go to a cave, because he'll give us gold. And I'm like, that is the stupidest damn thing you've ever said to me, old man. We come to this bar all the time. Why you want us to go to a cave now? <laughs> He, he does that every night, though. He always sits in that shadowy corner, and a group of four people always go over and they talk to him. And I, I don't understand why he came to us. We're two people, three-ish, if you count the drummer-ish. Thank you, boys. Huh? Map. And it was just some strokes on the back of a McDonald's placemat. And I don't think it would have led us to great and bountiful treasure. It, it might have. We we might have gotten one of them frosty, drinky things. That's that's a treasure unto itself. I do like a McFlurry. That's the word. <laughs> you know what I miss? Grimace. The big, big containers full of orange drink they would give you when you were just a little child. <laughs> big containers of orange drink. All the children would line up at the grade school sport. <laughs> They go, give me some of that McDonald's orange drink. And we go, wasn't that just like 80% water and 20% orange house paint? 20%. You're forgetting about the 50% sugar. There was sugar in that? It all adds up. It all adds up. It's true. My name is Scott. I'm Jim. I am still Justin. All right, I'm still Justin. I'm not going to do that anymore because I don't hurt it. And congratulations. That was pretty good, though, man. Well done. Justin. There we go. Justin has joined us in this bizarre cult of old blues man riffs. We're doing yep. bits. <coughs> we have a bit. We have a bit. <coughs> we could develop a second bit at any time, but we like this one just fine. Thank you very much. This one was brought to us by Unfiltered Beer. Until another alcoholic beverage provides us with a new bit, this one will continue. Yes. Speaking of Unfiltered Beer, we did get lovely fan tweets after our discussion of the fact that there's really only 50 people who listen to this. Was it an insatiable bitch fest about how they're not going to give us money because we're liberals? Um, no, it was kind of like, whoa, wait, no, really? I'm, I'm kind of happy I'm in the 50% and I'm glad that you guys do this for no reason other than your own entertainment. Well, really, we can't expect to entertain anyone else. Oh, God, no. <laughs> we just did a whole blues man bit for no reason. If we weren't happy doing that, we would we'd just be, be suicidal. Sad. But yeah, we'd, we'd be cutting ourselves. But yeah. And then we wouldn't be blues man, we'd be an emo band, and that shit just don't fly. That don't roll. Um, but I'm just, you find yourself cutting yourself, talk to someone. Get yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, all seriousness. Yes. 
it, it's okay. It gets better if you let it. Yes. And uh, speaking of things getting better if you let it, donation button is back on the sidebar. We're going to jangle that cup again. <laughs> Wait, I wonder. I wonder. I wonder. I wonder. <laughs> yes! Those I have are a coffee, th- th- coffee th- mug with some quarters in it. <laughs> oh, I was going to say those weren't quarters. Those were your house keys. <laughs> no, no, that would damage the inside of the mug. Because I have a Terran keychain on there that's heavy enough that you can easily cut somebody with that. If I put that in a mug, it's going to fuck it up. All right. So uh, without much further ado beyond that, pick of the week. Let's go, Jim. God damn it. I actually put... What? I put zero thought into this this week. As opposed to every other week. Every other week, I usually have something. I've done nothing but work. Actually, no. You know what? I will go with something that's a little bit old, but I still enjoy it. I'm going to go Legacy of the Void, because to reference my Terran fun, anyway, it's it's the final part of StarCraft II. I liked the way they closed it, the story. I've never been a Protoss fan, but this at least made me kind of appreciate what they do. There's some really cool units in it that I would like to see in PvP, but given that I will never play PvP with anything but Terran, it's kind of moot. They introduced a really fun co-op mode, which I'm trying to sell a couple friends on because it's like, no, seriously, this is a blast. You should play this even if you're bad at StarCraft. I, all things considered, I'm enjoying it. It's I'm still not the greatest at RTSs. I'm still getting stomped at times by the computer, but whatever. I'm not doing this to be one of them professional esports guys. I sit down to play video games because I want to have a little bit of fun. That's it. But yeah, Legacy, I'm enjoying it. Yay! Justin! You just stepped up to that. I did. All right. I have both a pick of the week and a bone to pick. Woo! I'm going to start with the bone to pick. My bone to pick is what's the passage of time. All right, time. It's bad enough what you've done to me, okay? But stop making Neil Pert feel old. I still want to see them in concert again. But it appears as of today, Mr. Pert has announced that he's retiring from professional rock stardom. I actually expected this to come up tonight. Yeah, well, I mean, honestly... He has outlived any drummer I can think of, and he... And that's, that's not our usual anti-drummer jokes, that's actually true. Like, he, he has been actively drumming for decades, well, at a de- to a degree that no one can really match, except, like, for that long and that level of playing. It, it's, it's insane. Yeah. Like, he... If he's still putting in his hour on the skins a day, I don't want to know what his wrists and ankles sound like on a cold morning. Hey, he's got Popeye arms at this point. Oh, yeah. That's that's where we're at. But, you know, he has been in the band for most of its 40 years. And now that he has chosen to retire, I wish him the best of luck. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe he'll write a book. Yeah. He's given us some delightful entertainment over the years, and that's all we need. Yes. Would be nice to get more, but you know what, sir? Forty years. Tip of the hat. Yeah, like forty years of just superlative percussion yeah. and songwriting and musicianship and occasionally weird libertarian moments. But that's cool. You know, he was young. We all have those phases. We we all do weird things sometimes. You know, sometimes you co-author a novel with Kevin J. Anderson. I don't know why, but there you uh- go. It seemed like a good idea at the time. I read some of it. It wasn't bad. You know. I mean, 
Kevin J. Anderson isn't bad, exactly. I am looking forward to the anthology of uh, fiction based on Rushed songs coming out next year called 2113. I'm I'm super keen on that. Yeah. But yeah, here's to you, Neil. Um, The spirit of radio crackles with life in all of us. We're going to begin the day with a friendly voice. I'm just going to raise my empty glass. Yeah. yeah. Uh, my pick of the week, however, is uh, Code Names, the board game. Okay, I thought you just meant in general. No. <laughs> I really like Code Names. They're just really cool. Okay. Something else. It's a great idea. Yeah, Code Names is. I don't know if anyone's played it. Have either of you guys played it? No. Never even heard of it. Uh, Sell me. Basically, you get two players. Uh, you get two teams of at least two players each, and one of the players is the spy master. The other player is the spy, and the spy master. There is basically a grid of five by five cards, and on those cards are written various words. And the spy master is given a card that indicates which of those cards represent their spies and which of them represent the other side's spies. The, sp- the code master, the spy master, then has to t- say a word that relates to as many words as possible that are on his spies. For example, if you have summer and fire under two of your spies, you would say hot, two. And your spy would attempt to guess, you know, would point at hot, uh, at fire, and say, is this one of our spies? And you would say, yes, it is. And place your spy on top of it. Then they would point at, say, barbecue, and say, is this one of our spies? And... It could either be an opposing spy, it could be a bystander, it could be the assassin. They touch the assassin, it's game over. So you don't want to make sure that the assassin isn't a word they might be able to pick. But, you know, if they pick the opposing side spy, then that's revealed and they're closer to winning. So basically there's like seven spies for each side. And it's it's just so much fun. It plays quick, plays fast. It's it's a joy. Everyone likes it. And that's probably the worst description possible. But yeah, what? yeah, it's a good game. Play it. All right, so that leaves me, and yep. I'm going to throw my pick to... I just picked up the first volume of Amazing X-Men, which I'm sure is no longer running now. But which it, one? Uh, amazing, which amazing? Uh, the most recent Amazing X-Men, in which Nightcrawler uh, leaves heaven so that he can become a pirate on the River Styx and fight his dad, and then uh, recruit... So- because death is even more meaningless in X-Men now. Oh, they there's this whole thing where they just sort of like, yeah, it's weird, let's get move on with it. <laughs> like, him and Colossus have this weird moment of, let's not. But what I'm saying is that it is a really fun book where Nightqual- Night- Nightcrawler is a pirate, and the X-Men are on a pirate ship fighting demons, and that's what comics should be. The X-Men on a pirate ship on the River Styx fighting demons. Yeah, I'm on board with that. That this, this is what comic books do, guys. Do more of that. I don't know what happened. I won't know what the ending of Secret Wars is for another goddamn month. I gave no fucks when you announced it a year ago. But you know what? If you can give me a book where Wolverine is a pirate, I'm there. It's all I want. Get your priorities crooked, gentlemen. Get your priorities crooked. 
But that 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 is pick of the week, and we move on to our main topic for the night, where we know better than someone else about D anD. d We know better than everybody about everything. That's the point to the show. That, that is that, that is the real reason why we do this. Never mind that's maudlin crap from like ten minutes ago. No, yeah, we we know better than you. We we are going to express our opinions with many hundreds of words. Your rebuttal will be nah uh and then at a tangent, and we will be right because your rebuttal is nah uh and a tangent. Congrats, straw man. <laughs> we beat the crap out of that guy, didn't we? We did. But speaking of straw man, Rob Bricken oh. cannot oh. realize that things occur in contexts and cannot realize that he has co-workers he could ask to proofread the articles he is paid for. And- I'm not convinced he actually does have co-workers. I think he has people that work in the same business as he does and are paid by the same people, but they refuse to be anywhere near him or touch his contents. There's a lot of averting your gaze when Rob Bricken comes into the room. Yep. Yeah, it- oh, God, it's him. Oh, geez. Why? I thought, I thought he always took his coffee break at 10. Why are we still in this room? We can't leave now without it looking like we're leaving because he's here. Oh, wait, I have laundry to do. You live two hours away. I have laundry, laundry to do. do. Um, well, not- oh, look at my phone. <laughs> Your phone didn't go off. It was set to vibrate. Fuck off. I, I get my notifications pushed to my wristwatch. Good day. <laughs> I bid you good day, sir. I say good day. So, so Rob This Brickin, episode is now becoming excuses to leave the room. <laughs> they're always handy. If you ever need to escape, just pat your just pat your front pocket, look at your phone, and leave. Or if you're willing to just be completely direct, look the person straight in the eye, go, I don't fucking like you, and leave. Yeah, it's not hard for Rob Bricken, let me tell you. Okay. Now I admit that some of my dislike of Bricken is that I write full assed um, commentary on tabletop games. And don't get paid for it. And he's got like a quarter of the, his ass on this at best. And probably, you know, got something for this schlock he published. Also, Gawker's terrible. Yes. They are a specific, they are a special kind of horrible. Yes. We are giving him hits. I advise you we not are- to click the links and just trust our thoughts. We'll do, <laughs> we'll, we'll do our best to describe his points in detail so that you don't have to uh, observe the ads on this site. We're the barrier between them and toxic pop culture. You could also turn your ad blocker on. I'm not in favor of this most of the time, but turn your ad blockers on. I'm sure you've got one. <laughs> Once in a while, right? Yeah. All right. So Rob Bricken has produced five lists about Dungeons and Dragons specifically. And the core thesis is that he does not understand. Uh, his thesis is that he doesn't understand that TSR was absurdly specific about everything. He doesn't understand how kits work. He doesn't understand how fantasy settings, which are not generic European fantasy settings, work. Uh, he doesn't understand how old school D&D worked. He doesn't understand how first ed D&D worked. He doesn't understand how second ed D&D worked. He doesn't understand. He does not understand that, player, that non-player characters were constructed using functionally the same rules as player characters. Like, there is a symmetry there, so that anything a non-player character in the game of Dungeons & Dragons does is theoretically something a player character could do so they so desired. 
Unless your DM is a colossal dick. Yes. But so so he's produced these five lists. We're gonna summarize them and tackle some specific elements of them. But we're gonna start with the sixteen strangest dragons in Dungeons and Dragons. Now, I have this is one of those cases where he would he walks into my house tell soaking wet, tells me it's raining, and I have to double check to make sure he's right. He may have, in fact, just pissed all over himself. Or, you know, someone threw a bucket of water on him because it's Rob Bricken, and I don't know, it was the only thing available to pelt at him. But That's legit. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, when approaching a fantasy setting, there's one variety of dragging. Motherfucking dragon. Yeah. <laughs> it is bigger than you. It does not particularly care for you, but it does think you might be tasty. It's bigger than you, it's probably smarter than you, and it's sure as fuck older and more dangerous. So, that, 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 and that is how I approach dragons. Now, TSR and Wizards of the Coast have developed numerous dragons. Some of them are kind of odd. Yeah. Um, he enumerates some of the odder ones. I have a fondness for the Elysian dragon, just because uh, it's heaven. Of course there's a drunk dragon there. Well, it's delightful. Like, it smacks so heavily of just old-style gods that just got polluted and hung out. And it's like, no, you know what? I'm okay with a dragon that does this, because why the hell not? You're functionally immortal. You can do basically whatever you want on the planet. Mm, get polluted. Have fun. I'm not terribly clear on the origin of some of these. Were, say, the Elysian dragons and the Gloom dragons, were they Planescape? Were they... I, I would not... I would... I think Elysian dates back to the first manual of the planes. Yeah. I want to well, say be fair. the gloom dragon is almost certainly Planescape. Okay. Because it mentions the blood war. See, I never encountered that thing before this article. That thing sounds bitching. Yeah, no, that's pretty rad. Yes. A giant ambulance. Gloom dragons are giant ambulatory uh, cemeteries. Yes. Yeah. That's pretty friggin' neat. That's but that's, there's, like, grave elementals that, if memory serves, it was either Epic Level Handbook or the latest Book of the Dead threw in these things. And it's it really is just a graveyard that gets up and walks around. And I'm like, that's boss. And I encounter this, a dragon that does this naturally and isn't technically a necromantic abomination? That's really cool. Well, you know, it's in the abyss. So there's, there's necromantaliciousness about it. Yeah, but it wasn't like somebody woke up one day and went, I need to animate a dragon in a graveyard at the same time, and I'm going to put in that extra footwork to make sure it's the same thing. I just want to say, if someone did wake up in the morning and say that, that's gumption. That's someone yeah. wakes up in the morning with a plan. <laughs> and we have to applaud that. Yeah, hats off to you if you were the one who made that in the first place. Yes, if you are the sort of necromancer who goes, I am going to animate a dragon and a graveyard... At the same time, nope. you are both as evil as Donald Trump and much more organized than him. Yes, I I will actually you, call sir, that necromancer nicer. That 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 fellow is up there with the guy who invented owl bears in terms of guys who wake up in the morning with an idea and by gum they, they got it done. Yep, right up there with shark faced bears. Shark faced bear? bears. Okay, I got to go back up to adamantine for a sec. Yeah, because. This right here bugs me in the regards that he clearly doesn't understand what the fuck he's doing. Like He has issue with a dragon that can puke time stop. Yeah. Name me a noun, and there's probably a dragon that can spit that. 
Apparently, yeah. that's no issue. Even just the basic stuff like spitting lightning, spitting, you know, clouds of corrosive gas that dissipate within a turn, spitting fire, spitting ice. I can exude clouds of corrosive gas on some days, you know, it's not. We, yeah. we, we got to we really got to hit the taco bar, but we can get it done. It's true. But we have to do this as effort. A dragon can do this once every D4 rounds. Like. Dragons can spit out whatever the hell the dragon you just made. There are dragons that can spit out walls of literal force. There are dragons that can spit out rainbows. But the time one is the one that he has issue wrapping his head around. Well, to be deadly honest, he has issue with 16 different ones. All of them yeah. run away. Fair. He, he, but- wait, no, he only has 15. He lists the adamantine dragon twice. Fucking okay. cheater. That's just lazy. I know. Does he? Yes. If you scroll down to 14, it's Time Dragon again. Like, yeah. <laughs> again, proof your fucking work. Uh, yeah, apparently, oh, but they, can, they can cast Time Stop like normal people. So he can wrap his head around the idea of somebody casting st- Time Stop, but it being a breath weapon is the line, apparently. Yeah. Also, he, his entire justification for Tungsten Dragon being on the list is that... It's Tungsten? It's Tungsten. Like, again, nickel, copper, iron, those are fine. Gold, great. Silver, fine. Platinum, great. No, tungsten, that's the line. No that is tungsten. not a damn line. This far and no further. Uh. And iron dragons he has a problem with, but it just seems like the next step. Yeah. yeah. Evolution of metals, deal. All right, so that, so, yeah, where I stand, dragons come in one style, motherfucking. Yep. You can twist and adjust as need be for plot. Or story. Or a never, cool idea. I never even heard of brain stealer dragons, but a cross between an illithid and a brain and a dragon? That's pretty fucking hardcore. That's metal. That's, Let's paint that on the side of a van. That's seriously what that thing sounds like. That sounds like some mind flare somewhere went, I need to try cephalization on a dragon, and it actually worked. I just assume a mind flare got a polymorph dragon really drunk one night, and nine months later... The heart wants what the heart wants, and the heart sometimes produces ungodly Things abominations that eat brains. That yeah. eat brains. Yes. That's that's true. Alright, so moving on to the next list. The 13 strangest dragons in Dungeons & Dragons. Or, Wait. Uh, deities, sorry. Okay. 13 strangest <laughs> like, deities. That's even hacky for him if he's just basically going to reduce the value. <laughs> so, in this case, uh, he is taking issue... With that sixth domain on the list, where it's a thing that's kind of like the first five domains, but not quite, in a way that reflects real life. Because guess fucking what? Hermes is the god of tricksters, poets, travelers, merchants, inventors, and where- and crossroads. Some of those things don't go together. But if you know the story, it makes perfect sense. Yeah. So guess what? Hextor can be the god of war and tyranny and conflict and physical fitness. You can. Broad category. That's basically Ares. Yes. Yes, it is. And Ares was around long before D&D. We're pretty sure that's the case. (sighs) 
player in D and D. That's then, not even true. Most people don't even bring up Hexdoor in a campaign. You're more likely to run into Wee Joss. Yeah, exactly. Look, anyone who's going to diss on Baravar Cloak Shadow is uh, just is just oh, you don't it. you don't you don't get to be mean to the Gnomish Pantheon. No, no. What did they gnomes have do a hard to you? enough life? What did gnomes do to deserve being you being mean to their religion? They were They're gnomes. Rob Bricken. That's what they did. Uh-huh. And gnomes are pretty fucking annoying. Depends on the setting, but yeah. A god of very specific racism. It's dandy gods are all about specific racism. <laughs> the entire elf pantheon in- endorses the wholesalers wholesale slaughter of drow and and orcs. Go- and orcs. But maybe bugbears are okay. We've never asked them. I actually had uh, favorite enemy bugbears, so no, they are they're pretty. They're dead. well, they're bugbears well, yes, are dicks. Rangers are the most racist class in D anD D by design. <laughs> oh, let's not go there. That's that's. A, I'm pretty sure he covers that in Rob Bricken's shitty D anD D article number fifteen. Probably, <laughs> if he hasn't, we've just given him a reason. You guys are so racist. I'm I'm gonna like tag him when this gets tweeted. Do it. <laughs> All right. Look, so I'm sure I'm sure he's perfectly used to people going. Ah, no. Yeah, people think I'm an asshole. Well, yeah. That explains why nobody will eat lunch with me. God, <laughs> like, who shows up to his D&D game where he just decides that half the books are stupid and not worth reading? Well, here's the thing. Seeing what he thinks about d and I'm pretty sure he's never actually played it. Yeah. Oh, Picked God. Up, I'm sure he's torrented a few PDFs. And God, huh, that's stupid. See, no, I could do better than this. I don't think I don't think he's torrented the PDFs because the way he describes some of these things, it's like this is a thing I saw on a list on some wiki, and I'm not even going to bother googling it. Yeah. All right. So next list is the twenty most useless spells. Now I actually do want to take a minute and break and go down the entire list, and we will come up with. Something that we can do with each of these spells, either right. as a player or as a guy running a game, because I feel like most of these are specific to a weird encounter in an adventure. Okay, D and D spells. I guarantee a player will figure out some way to break that shit for horrible reasons. If so you, if you aren't, if you don't believe us, locate city, nuke, Google yep. it. <laughs> All right. I just want to say. Also, you look at this and. He completely takes them out of the context of the setting they're created in. Yes. Is... So we are starting with one. Then. So we're going to start with one. Banish Dazzle, which is handy for a whole slew of good aligned drow. Yep. <laughs> Co- oh, no. The guy Banish- who rolled kobold and everyone in Dark Sun. Orcs. Uh, Al-Khadim. It's, it is an Al-Khadim spell. You need it now, Al-Khadim. Walking through the desert. Oh, it's so sunny out here. Boom. Yes, it's magical sunglasses. Congratulations. You Congratulations. Yeah. yeah, they're magical would, would sunglasses. Would you like to go and buy sunglasses from the sunglass hut that doesn't exist in the setting? Like, you know how much co- you know how much lenses cost? You you, you yeah. want to get those tinted? It's cheaper <laughs> to get luck. a wand of banished dazzle. You know what you're going to wind up doing if you really, really desperately want sunglasses? You're going to get gems cut. You're going to get gemstones fucking cut into your eyewear. And if you're lucky, the rogue on the party won't shill it the first night you try to sleep. Because second night, no, seriously, the rogue is stealing your glasses and he is getting those gems back. 
Yeah. So banish dazzle. It's nifty. And it's it's fairly handy. It's actually pretty practical. I mean, if you're prepared walking through the desert again, it it some of it again. This is all based on context. We're gonna get yeah. to my appreciation for uh, the region specific source books of three point five in a few minutes. But now on to on to spell number two, the basket trick. Yeah, this is okay. another Al Kadim, and this is this is a spell that pretty much. Indicates he's never seen Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yeah. Hey, remember that bit where Marion got into a basket and couldn't find her? Because she can't seem to be moving from basket to basket? Wouldn't it be great if we had a spell that could do that? There, uh, there's, there's a great chase scene in this spell. Yes. Yeah. But even... There, there is a practical use for this. You're a wizard. You're a sorcerer. You're an arcane cast. You got no fucking armor to conceive of. So if something happens to be close to you that might possibly shank you... And there's basically a basket to your side and a basket at some other point away. Take the fucking risk. Yeah. Pop, boom, done. Short-range teleport is not something you shrug off in this Short game. Short-range teleport with a free stealth check. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm not seeing a downside to this guy. No. I'm not prepping it when we're out in the middle of the dunes. No, but or if you know you've got a big meeting in the court tomorrow, you might only bring one on the off chance you need to flee. Yeah, like again, you prep it once. This is a second level spell, isn't it? It's a third level spell. Actually. Third, okay. There's a certain point where you have enough fireballs ready. You can yeah. have the basket trick there. Some situation. You put this into rings. You put this into amulets. Like this is a spare token spell. Once you get a high enough level. Like, this is going to be snap out, this is an escape route, this is a last switch, this is, this is useful, it's practical. And it's whimsical. Yeah! It evokes the feel that Jeff Grubb wanted from Al-Khadim. Yes. God forbid we have fun while playing D&D and not have it be grim, dark fantasy the entire time. Okay, so next spell on the list, Bo Gentle's Fleeting Journey, wherein you teleport 60 feet away and then come back. Do we just admit that that does sort of sound like a sex act? Ye- oh, God, yes. yes. The, you have to pay extra for that at ye old brothel. It really- also sounds like it involves chemicals of some kind. I don't know if it's oils. I don't know if it's drink. Both. You know, there's, there is a fluid involved that comes from outside the participants. Thank you very much for that expanding it further than You're I welcome. Would. You're welcome. Bigby's groping hand. <laughs> yep. It is a really useful spell. You ah. send someone that way. Oh, look, there's something on the other side of that cavern. Canyon. Let's send him over there to grab it. He'll come back in a minute. Oh, look, we want to we get these orcs in an enfilade. Why don't we teleport an archer over to that side of the thing? Boo. Again, you want, there's a reason why you want someone to be over there for a little while. Yeah. And sixty feet is a good distance. Hell, you—he can—he can lay—he can tie off a rope in the time he's teleported over there, and then hey, you're up a cliff, cliff, and you're not out your fly spell for the day. Yeah. Yes. Okay, number four, chastise. This I, I always kept for when players got rowdy. <laughs> you mouth off to the one with to the NPC wizard. He's going to chastise you. Oh, them cast chastise, all right. <laughs> oh, he God. doesn't. He doesn't work with an editor, does he? Okay. What What you do 
is you leave it for an hour, you go get lunch, whatever, and you typeset it in Courier, and you read each sentence individually, Rob. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, chastise. That's that's the thing. That That's purely a GM spell. Yeah. Players might use it. We're usually more than willing to pick fights with one another, but, you know, it can serve a practical purpose depending on the situation you need, like especially depending on the diplomacy situation you might be in. That might actually help more than trying to blow... Like, if this is a wizard, your charisma is probably shit. Like, if you're a wizard, you're inting this. So this spell is actually probably going to be more practical than you trying to browbeat somebody yourself. Well, my favorite part of this is he doesn't say what the spell does. Yeah. Yeah. What's the actual negative effect? What is the mechanical effect, Rob? If you think something has a silly name, congratulations. Yeah. Let's actually, I'm looking. I'm looking this up. Okay, that's chastised spirits. Okay, it is under spirit. Wait, no. I'm seeing a bunch of spirit coming shit. That can't be right. No, this this is the third. That's the third edition chastised spirits thing. Okay. Is it bard? It, it might have been a bard. But if it's bard, then it makes even more sense. Yeah. Next. You cause pain and... Wait. No. It... If you guys wanted to do that, you should have looked it up before we started. Next bell. Fine. Um, converse with sea creatures. Yeah, my favorite part. Unless you were role-playing in an underwater setting. Ooh, I am willing to bet money this came from a source book about role-playing in an underwater setting. Almost certainly. This is from the... This is from the adventure where you have to go to the sunken city of lost elfdom and find some lost triton or hat of whatever MacGuffinitude to save it's, the day. And guess what? Being able to talk to the fish that live there fucking rocks. Yeah. I've done this in campaigns. I've gone after sunken temples. It's actually another Alcadim spell. Huh. I hate to break it to you guys. There are a shitloads of creatures in the sea. You ever heard of a little guy named Sinbad? How much do you think he would have fucking loved to be able to talk to some creatures on the ocean? It probably would have helped a lot of the bad shit he got into. Yes. yes. All right. So next up, corpse light. Oh, and I think Rob is picking this because he's racist. Because he just goes into Alcadim and says, I don't like role-playing games about Arabs. Fuck. <laughs> well, we, you know what? For all, I'm willing to no, ascribe. I reckon it's going to be our number one racist class in D&D. <laughs> yes. More racist than Rangers somehow. It's, that is pretty impressive. All right, so uh, number six is corpse light. It makes corpses slow glow. I wonder like corpse, but half the calories. I wonder why you would want light up corpses. Maybe you're underground in a tomb. Maybe you want to see. Maybe you want to see the zombies lurching about. Maybe they're easy fucking targets for the racist ranger that took undead as his favorite enemy, as you should. No one minds with your racist against zombies. <laughs> it's citation of light as well is amusing when you consider the fact that this is actually an area. Yeah. Like, it can affect multiple units, and it can flat-out affect undead. Like, it's not one target that you need to touch. It's a mass. All I'm saying is, it's cool, and it's creepy, and it's the sort of thing I would like a necromancer to do. Yeah. You would expect a necromancer to have this. He's just got creeping hands walking around that glow because he's a necromancer and yeah. he needs lamps. Alright, so our next one is number seven, Decastave, which the description of justifies the spell. 
because it turns a tiny piece of wood into a 10-foot pole. Into a magical 10-foot pole. A 10-foot pole, which is really handy in certain specific situations, but you really don't want to carry around because it's a goddamn 10-foot pole. Well, plus, I mean, it's a magical item. So, you know, it, it's easier to wield as a weapon by the fact that it might be physically cumbersome. And you can still poke things with it, which is the primary purpose of 10-foot poles. And you could drain health with it. Isn't that useful? Yes! So very useful. And then it goes away, because go- you're done with it. Don't have to carry it around all day. Like that like that asshole monk. Uh, okay, so we're, number eight, depth warning. This is another Al-Kadim one, and it is magic sonar. I don't know why you would want magic sonar, because sonar has never been helpful to anyone. I think this is from the same book as uh, Converse with Sea Creatures. The core Al-Kadim rules, uh, Arabian Adventures. Let me see, is it organized by level or... Yes. Doom-da-doom-da-doom. I love that song. So, yes, you can... It lasts for an hour per level, and it helps you detect reefs or shoals. Or underwater behemoths. Dragon turtles, man. Dragon turtles could be out there to spit steam at you. Did he complain about dragon turtles spitting steam? No. Weirdly enough, dragon turtles slipped his mind. He probably think it's more turtle than dragon, that's why. You know what? They are in a different section of the book. Yep. So they'll be when he gets around to describing the, you know, 11th weirdest turtles in D&D. Yeah. And Sorry. seven of them will be from Alcadine. <laughs> Racist. All right, hey. so detect undead. Yep, that's not helpful in any way, shape, or form. That's not used almost constantly by paladins and clerics as a natural ability. We don't use that basically anytime you think you might run into them. Look, I, I played a cleric of sort of a life cycle goddess. I would walk into two. My job was to walk into somewhat disused graveyards and make sure they weren't, nothing was rising from them. This like made the my job easy. <laughs> well, I like the implication in his write-up. You know, I guarantee they've already made their presence known. It's like, so if you've no. ever actually played D&D, then you deal with the DM who just lobs zombies at you with a catapult? Yeah, come on. Because whites, whites are fucking sneaky. The incorporeal ones will fuck you up, and they God. will not They're warn you. Detect undead. There's the vampire. Yeah. Yeah. Ghosts. Ghosts. Ghost lords. Ghosts. Fucking ghosts. Mummy lords. You know, especially if your DM decides to be a dick and he's like, no, you don't know the ghost is there, but all he has to do is reach to the floor and grab your feet. I've done that. There's, there's that slam attack and you can't fight back because he's in the floor. So we're going to say the detecting undead, that's in the plus column. Yes. Unfathomably. Anytime, anytime your character gets a new sense, it's useful. I'm perfectly fine with my cleric having detect undead, detect evil, and detect magic on at the same time. He has nine senses now. That guy's rad. Detect meal and what kind is still a handy ability. (laughs) (laughs) You're not sure if there's orcs in the area? Use it. Is somebody poorly cooking a ham? There's at least something alive on the other side of that wall. Fair cop, gentlemen. And... On the flip side, disguise undead for when your paranoid players are afraid of ghosts in the floor 
and they start using Detect Undead all the time. Yep. Also, Handy, if you're playing Undead and you don't want to set off the locals. Yeah. In fact, the last instance I saw of this was in the Book of the Dead, where it is specifically intended to be used with the Necropolitan. Oh, I don't know what that is, but that's kind of cool. It's It was just basically undead as race. Play forever. Like, it was just, you could play undead. Okay. Without that a bajillion it. superpowers and a bajillion yeah. weaknesses and just be functional as a player character. You got all the basic functions of undead as a trait. You lost con. You were undead. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And that, truthfully, I just liked it for that. Because it was like, no, you know what? I'm willing to take undead as a race. In a setting where undead is a big deal, yeah. Yeah. But yes, very handy spell. All things, especially if you're a necromancer who is either good or evil, this is a spell you're going to use. Okay, so his next one is Guise of the Yakman. Another Al-Kadim spell. Yeah, I'm not saying he's racist, but holy God. Now, Guise of the Yakman is a... Guise of the Yakman is a curse. You throw it at other people so that they look like yak men so that they will be hindered by the low sh- social status of being yak men. Which is, a, which is a really cruel thing to do to someone, to be honest. Yeah. Like, th- this is a dick move, and it is the spell of dick move. And I it's would... a really hard spell to deal with. Like, you have to wish it away. Well, I mean, it's not a really long duration one. It's only one turn per level. Still... You can fuck up someone's afternoon if you time it right. Yeah. Yes, there are two uses for it. I'm actually, I've got down my copy of the Complete Shire's Handbook. There you go. Uh, Guys of the Yakman has two possible uses. The first is actually beneficial. Because of an ancient pact between Yakman and genie kind, that will never harm or interfere with a Yakman. The target of this spell will not be harassed or harmed by Dao, but the character has no other special powers over the genie races. So... There's a doubt. Still really useful. Look like a yak man. I like this spell. It is it is evocative of the setting. I yeah. would use this in several ways in an Alcadium campaign. When is it coming out? Oh, right. You don't release Never. fun settings anymore now, do you, Mike? <laughs> All right, leave Mike out of this. He's a nice guy. He's a perfectly nice guy, but his hands are tied. Yeah. Oh, it's one turn a level. A turn is like 10 minutes, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. turns are long. And the second use comprises a mean for the caster to do away with someone without dirtying his or her own hands. Everyone hates Yak Men, and most denizens of civilized areas will attack these creatures on sight. By casting this spell on someone, the wizard virtually guarantees that the victim will avoid cities or be killed upon entering one. Also, this spell is an excellent band name. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> All right. Well, Guys of the Yakmen tonight. But you have to be wearing heavy fur coats on stage. <laughs> Obviously. Yeah. Well, duh. Alright, so number 12 is Hold Portal. It locks doors. I don't know why you would want magic to lock a door in a stressful situation. Would you? That's I'm negative. running the fuck away. Possibly because you've been turned into a Yakman. Acceptable. You get turned into a Yakman, you hold Portal behind you and beat feet. Yeah. yeah. Or there's something awful in that room and, you know, sometimes there's inner party conflict and maybe you just don't like one of the other players. So you leave him in the room, use that and you cool off for 10 minutes, buddy. Yeah, That's how things go. 
Let nature take its course. Yeah. So or a beholder. There you go. Otto's irresistible. Otto's irresistible dance is one of the grand save or suck spells of Dungeons <laughs> and Dragons. If you're playing the game right, you stock these before damage. Like this is an eighth level spell. According to the Forgotten Realms wiki, it was presumably developed by Otto. Most likely. But I'm not going to take that as a given. I mean, Bigby has been known to fool around once in a while. Oh, it's six level for Bard, which means they get it sooner. Of course. Who yeah. better to make third people dance? In third edition, there's no save. There is no save. And again, I'm going to compare this to other wizard spells of eighth level. Um, the best... The best response from Necromancers is Horrid Wilting. D6 damage per level for, uh, within 30 feet or Symbol of Death. Those both have saves. Yeah. And those were unpleasant. Those are very, very unpleasant. But you have to dance. And you know what happens when you're dancing? Your buddy, the 17th level rogue, shanks you in the kidneys and then you're really dead. Yep. And it works... And it's exactly one guy. He doesn't get a save, and it's over. Incendiary cloud? That might. That probably won't kill a person. Maze. Oh, this is maze. Might do something. Uh, this is creative. Yes, on its own, it's not overly useful. It's still useful. Like you can still seriously make an ass out of people in certain scenarios using this, and generally, you can avoid a bit of problem with it. Oh, in he right provokes scenario, attacks of opportunity wild. from everyone every round he's dancing. Yep. That doesn't end badly ever. That's a lot of gore. <sighs> that's that's Eli Roth levels of splatter. Like, but yes, is... Otto's Irresistible Dance, good, old, good for Otto. Good for Otto, I like him. Yeah. Like, I would take this before Power Word Stun. Yeah. Now, we also, between this and the next selection, we see Mr. Bricken. Uh, he's a bit of a power gamer. He's a bit of a munchkin. Uh, not a lot of imagination. Not a lot of storytelling in his play style. Yeah. You mean not a lot of fun? I don't think... Yeah. Not a lot of enjoyment? I don't think he plays. I think... He, yeah, I really think he doesn't. That's enjoyable. I mean, for some people, you know, I'm sure the other kids in, in 12th, 12th form find his games to be a hoot. Yeah. Probably prefer to play Rifts. Is all yeah. I'm saying. Yeah. So our next list is Quincy's Enchanting Gourmet, which will magically conjure an awesome meal and do the dishes. Well, I mean, uh, I'm looking for a downside. Yeah. You've got company coming over, you cast this spell, you do not have to hire a chef, you do not have to hire serving people. Those people, serving people, you know what they are? They're assassins. They yeah. will. They will poison your food and ruin your dinner party. Highly specialized unseen servants. You don't have to kill them afterwards. I'm, I'm just looking at this and going, you know what? It means I don't need to worry about the fact that I've been eating trail rations for a week. And if the DM's paying attention, that means I need to start checking for dysentery. Yes. Okay. Oh, and it's level two. Level two. So anyway. There's so like level two. Come on. Like there's a point in your game where level two spells don't matter. You can oh. have. You can eat well. That's your yeah. reward. You've made it to level 9. You're a level 9 wizard. You give no fucks about your level 2 spells anymore. Spend them to eat well. Yeah, like, this is this is handy. 
it is not the most anything, but, you know, not everybody is a task mage. Not everybody is out there for double casting fireballs and arcane bolt. Fuck. Okay. Uh, Shillelagh. This actually makes me angry. Okay, <laughs> it, it's a specific version of magic weapon. I'll give you yeah. that. But you have a stick. The stick is better. What's wrong with having a better stick? Yeah. It's shillelagh. If you aren't using this, then you probably have something better than it. But for a little while there, you won't. At the start of the curve, shillelagh is so useful. Yeah. Like it, and it's part of the druid. It's like you don't get magic weapon, but you get shillelagh. Yeah. Not to mention, you'll be able to do that friggin' annoying fake Irish accent that grade school kids find so hilarious. That oh, we, we all morning, do enjoy it. Oh, top of the morning, do you? And the duration on it is great. And again, it's actually pretty harmful. Like this, in the hands of a druid who's paying attention, this will cause your early level druids to do far more damage than your fighter. Plus, it is a magical weapon, right? Yeah. So you can oh, you punch was- ghosts with it. Yep. The Boom. ghosts in the floor, you can hit them yeah. with your stick. Yeah. Spectres, all those things that you can't harm because you're only low-level druid. Your incorporeal stuff is now just a little bit more corporeal, and nobody in your party is going to start arguing, well, why did you take that? If they do, ask them to please. Well, if they want to argue it, do they what talk any to your good stick. Irishman with a shillelagh would do. Exactly. All right. Snylock Snowball. Now, this was new to me, but it is... It... it, it this is not from Alcadim for once. I'm surprised. Okay, it's a magic missile, but for a ball of snow. Okay. Which feels like it's just setting specific. It's a level one spell. You hit guy with a snowball. You know what else it yeah. has? It It's not much, but it's set up for a gag. Yeah. The gag is Snylock Snowball Storm. That's a second level spell. You pick a square... That fucker is taking 3d6 cold damage and falls over. Shit. And that, that's a snowball, my friends. It's a first level attack spell. It's your magic missile. It's your burning hands. Boom. You don't want it? Don't use it. Take (laughs) Melf's acid arrow. Alright, so 17. Uh, Spend a large chaser. It cures hangovers. Well, this would be an unbelievably spell. Unbelievably what? Rob. Yeah. This I, I well, no, he's he is correct. It would unbelievably be a spell because spells are not believable in real life. Yes. That's that is true. That is oh, not what his sentence he, says. He, he missed a point. It gives you a second save against a an another save against a poison. Say what? <laughs> yeah. Oh no, I've been poisoned. I failed my save. I'm bleeding hit points, stat. I'm deleting stat points. Yeah. Oh, look, I'm going to take this potion of Spendalard's Chaser and get a fresh save at it. Why would I want that? Yeah, no, nobody's turning that down. And again, the resistance to, you know, hangovers and anything else, kind of handy when you're not a dwarf. <sighs> My character sleeps in for another couple hours would have the same. No, because D&D doesn't clock alcohol that way. Sleep doesn't really give you a resistance to booze, numbnuts. Also, you... This is D&D. 
if you wake up, it's because there are assassins in your in. <laughs> yep, and you also probably slept in full plate because the DM just decided he didn't want to be bothered dealing with the fatigue rules that day. Okay, so the next one is Ship of Fools. Another Alkadim spell. I am it, Brickhead! <gasps> and this is a feeble mind that targets an entire boat. I don't know why you would want all of the pirates you're fighting to suddenly be hit with feeble mind. That doesn't sound handy. Or maybe the ship full of people that you're about to attack to steal their stuff because you're the pirates. Yeah. Also true. That's what? no, that's that's really useful. Big collective group negative effects, pretty handy in D anD. d They reprinted this for fifth edition. I'm in favor. Of, oh wait, that's feeble mind. <laughs> Never mind. Yeah, no, it, it, I I like this spell. If we're all, yeah. if we are on a boat, I'm gonna talk to sea creatures. I'm gonna sense depth, and I'm gonna ship of fools those guys over there. Yep. Okay, number 19, Tensor's Floating Disc. What is wrong with you, man? Seriously, it's Tensor's Floating Disc. If you can't figure out the use for this, you this is on here. This proves he doesn't play D&D. Yeah. This flat out proves it because it's Tensor's Floating Disc and we've all used it. In it three is. different ways. Yeah. The, the most versatile thing in the world. Yeah. It is a disc. It floats. It's useful for getting over things. It's useful for moving shit. Yeah. It's useful for carrying your unconscious teammate until they recover. Yep. It, mules get eaten with surprising frequency. Floating discs do not. Yeah, not so much. Okay, so number 20 is Waterbane. It keeps you dry. It is another Alkadim setting, and it's a spell I'm going to cast if we're on a boat, because yeah. stormy seas be bad. Guess what? Yep. You take penalties for walking over wet surfaces, Rob. This is a level yeah, one spell that means I don't slip table. on things. And he can't imagine that someone might want their character to be comfortable. Well, Especially, like, again, right? D&D encourages wizards to be frivolous with magic in a way that Gandalf never is. Your level Can't one spe- prestidigitation. That's that's what that spell is there for. Press the digitation. Critical... It does anything as long as it's not useful. <laughs> but it can be useful. You want to make a you know a one inch cube of coarse black pepper and throw that in somebody's eyes? That's fucking mean. That's rather cruel. <laughs> and it works. I've done it. I've had parties do it. If you can't figure out how to actually do things with press digitation. That's your problem. <laughs> Rob. Yeah. Alright, so next list is what the fuck 20 most what the fuck magical items. Most of these are actually cursed items. Yeah, that's why I didn't understand this list. I don't understand it. The, these are the, these are these are curses. These are, this you, yeah, you got bad. the ring of contrariness. Sucks to be you. <laughs> You're gonna be a dick for a while. Okay. The bountiful spade. You could get a job as a uh, gawker author. Yeah. Yeah. No, Bountiful Spade, I see purposes for that if you are actually at a point in the game where you are trying to maintain infrastructure. Like, if you've got your little keep... Well, that's it. It's like, at 10th level, the game changes. You are not a guy wandering the woods killing things. You are a pillar of the community. And you are guess no murder hobo, you are a murder baron. Yes, yeah. you are murder baron. You have your little keep. 
and your little keep needs to keep its people fed. So have yep. this bountiful spade, my vassals. Well, that's if you got the money. You're not buying one. You're buying like twelve of these things, and you're outfitting the group. Rob actually says, "I feel confident in saying that any D and D game that needs its players to perform an agriculture proficiency check for an entire year is the worst D and D game ever." No, Rob, it is a D and D game that has passed tenth level. Yes, Robert reached their name level. They've been assigned a fortress or a thieves guild or a wizard school, and they are acting like some pro- kind robos. Yeah, yeah. And do you know what? If you're the ranger, you got 12 bears. Yeah. I now mean, the bears don't need to worry about agricultural proficiency. This is true. I'm just pointing out that there's this weird disparity between I am running a small wizard school and I hang out with bears. Yeah. The the ranger gets better, yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Once again, the wizard is stuck with people wearing dish towels and the ranger is going, I may be a colossal racist, but I got a gaggle of bears. You, you think anyone's going to mess with me? I hang out with 12 bears. Yeah. Why don't you that with my bears? <laughs> okay. You so... know, each of them would need like a unique neckerchief or hat. Oh, God, yes. They are, however, all still named Bosco. Yes. Okay, so number three on his list is Bell's Palette of Identity. Why would I want a magic item that makes me immune from status effects? Status you mean the one that would be hanging in my central chamber where I'm engaging the party? Yeah. Yeah. That, why, no. why, why would I want that? Why would I want this really handy magical item that basically makes it a whole lot harder for the party to do anything to me? I don't know. Yeah. I, I can't figure out why I would see any use in that as a villain here to kill the party. Yep. It's almost, you know what? Oh man, it's the climactic encounter, and they bust out the one spell that always works. Otto's irre- irresistible dance. And the portrait does a jig, and I'm yep. fine, and they don't know what to do. And that's assuming they even see the portrait instead of throwing the spell, and it's just not doing anything. Because <laughs> yeah, it's got to be near. Doesn't say it has to be in, you know, line of sight. Your house. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so the Gord of Travel... It's a teleportation gourd. It's a squash that lets you teleport thousands of miles. If it lets me t- teleport thousands of miles, I will carry a squash around. Yeah, I don't care. I don't care. It's not taking up a valuable slot. All right. Uh, Ring of bureaucratic wizardry. It summons papers. Is that uh, a item? The opening with, I swear this is real. Uh, it's like, of course it is, because this reads like a cursed item. It, it's a cursed item. Like, <laughs> like... The wizard draws out a ring, and he's like, oh man, this looks awesome. I'm going to put this on. Do you want us to identify that first? No, 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 no. I'm a wizard. I'm fine. Oh, shit. I must now spend the next ten minutes filling out paperwork. Yeah. That's what this is. Bag of beans. Okay, so the bag of beans is actually dragon's teeth. You plant them, you water them, you tend them, and they turn into monsters. Okay. Yeah, I I see a use for this. Well, there's a use of you got a set of dra- magic beans that you think is going to give you an army. Yeah. And they yeah. usually, these are cursed. So they punch yeah. you balls. All right. Uh, Potion and of Pebble Flesh. It's like sc- stone skin, but worse. Yeah. Probably because it likely looks like a potion of stone skin when you first get it. Yep. Well, and you yeah. still get a benefit from it. I want to point yeah. that out. Your armor class goes up. Everything else is bad, but again, curse. Curse. Curses are bad. 
Wand of misplaced objects and other cursed items. Help. Uh, uh, wand of wonder. That thing's wonderful. I love that it, thing. Push the button. Yeah. See what happens. You just see there, there, there. There's a oh, breed of wondrous item that, if you give it to the party, they will sell it and buy things they actually want. And there, yeah. there are ones they keep because they're never quite sure. Why does every party? actually draw from the deck of many things, despite knowing full well it's probably going to destroy them. The same reason why you push the button on the wand wonder. Exactly. Sometimes you get pelted with bees. Sometimes <laughs> you turn purple. But sometimes you summon a fireball in a random direction. And that's nope. almost helpful. <laughs> probably not, but it's better than encountering death. <laughs> yes. So the bone seed is... Something, I don't know. That that's something villains use for something. Yeah, it's. It's really honest. Okay, the bowl of watery death is a curse item that looks like a bowl of commanding water elementals. It's a trick a trap. It's a trap. Yes. Again, cursed. It's, did he? As much as he tries to imply, he's read this. Did he not look up what curses are? I mean, he says says it's an artifact of bedickishness. I think a couple times. Yeah. Yeah. Like he but, doesn't understand bad things. You you can draw bad things on the loot table. And yeah. Not everything you roll. The DM is not just going to constantly be giving you vorpal blades. <laughs> D&D would be pretty lackluster if that's all that ever happened. Okay. So next up is the crystal parrot. It is a parrot made of crystal that will telepathically tell you if someone is in your house. A guard crystal parrot. Yeah. That sounds handy. Yep. Apparently it has to shut down for another 30 days afterwards, but you're fine. Get two. Yeah. If I'm an evil villain, I have like six crystal parrots. Yeah. Well, They're right to... next to my self-portrait that takes all my status elements. No, he looks pretty bad at this point, but, you know, that's why I just don't go in that room anymore. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So the druid's yoke uh, turns you into Nox. Could be cursed. Could be a thing... I honestly think it could be handy. Yeah. You know You what? need a beast of burden? I if you have to walk all your treasure from slaying the iron dragon back to town, being an ox seems like a good way to do it. Yeah. It's weirdly specific, but I'll take it. Well, it's like we were in the dungeon, we found this, and the donkey is dead. Again. <laughs> Somebody straight up. Apparently, Tensor's floating disc is useless, but we've got this yoke that turns people into ox. Let's do that. Now? Uh, Brooch of Number Numbing is another cursed item. The Rubber Vermin is a cursed item. Fish Dust turns people into fish. The oh. Number Numbing not a cursed item. It's a really cool item for when you're in a city and want to take advantage of foolish people. Any sort of con man, any sort of thief, any sort of poker player. You know, it's like, oh, they forget how numbers work. I take advantage of them. He says, yeah. what purpose does this have other than to take advantage of people? And I'm like, that's what it's there for. You need another purpose? <laughs> what purpose does this sword have other than to poke holes in people? You do understand we're a bunch of crazed murderers and thieves, right? Okay, number 16 is fish dust. You throw it in the water, and then it paralyzes fish. That sounds like good eating to me. That sound that sounds like an easy meal. That sounds like that trip that trap uh, full of acid breathing piranhas that shoot lasers out of their eyes. Yeah. That's not, not a trap anymore. 
Yeah, there's there is uses for this. Uh, so horn of bubbles, cursed item. Yeah, horn of bubbles, still <laughs> cursed but different. Yep. I'm saying is at least he managed to get a clever little sequence there. Almost well, a little. It See, was no, probably by accident. No, he's just copying this out of a DMG or a setting manual, and that's the al- alphabetical order they were in. He's taking advantage for, like, Dave Arneson's clever joke. Probably, yeah. Okay, Puchesma's powder of edible objects. You can pour it on anything, and it turns you, and it turns it into something that is functionally food. If you're carrying around cotton, you might as well be carrying around food. Food is heavier than cotton. There are encumbrance rules. <laughs> and again, half the time I bring shit up like that, it's like, there's a lot of DMs who will just wave that shit. Because we don't feel like micromanaging your loot that heavily. And then there are other times where you have six pages for your inventory, and it's like, no, okay, fine, we are going to pay attention. I find it funny that you might have to, you know, it's like, you can just tell a story. Oh, yeah, one time we were trapped in the woods, ran out of food. We're using Puchenja's powder to eat trees. Nope. One time I ate a rock because Steve called dibs on a particular tree. Yeah. They tasted the same, though. I don't know why we were calling dibs on anything, but that's they how we were. They tasted like hickory sticks for some reason. <laughs> Man, I could totally go for some hickory I sticks ate right the now. Elves, I ate the elf's shoes. Okay, so the last one on this list is the Mirror of Simple Order, which is uh, a mob really... It's a curse of inconvenience. That would suck if you were a bard. Okay, yeah, it's gonna fuck a bard. It's gonna fuck a barbarian, but it's also like, meh. If if you're playing a wizard, you're just like, oh. You're already bland and lifeless. Maybe you're playing a good aligned drow. Also bland and lifeless. (laughs) Guaranteed. The the mirror sounds pretty fucking terrifying. Yeah. Orwellian. There, there, there's, there, there is a horror of the mirror, but the effect is just kind of like, whatever. It's a minor cursed item. Get over well, it, Rob. If you look at it for more than two rounds, you're polymorphed into the image. So, your attributes all become 11, uh, and your hit points become your average for your hit dice. You retain the level in class, but are not as exceptional as you might have been. You are bland and boring. The character's alignment changes to lawful neutral. This is like... Jesus. This is a- I encounter this thing, I'm fucking it up with a shillelagh. <laughs> yes. This is basically something created by a lawful neutral deity who does swing a little bit towards the evil side. Just a bit. Just a bit. There we go. And as a DM, you use this against the bard who's too full of himself, the sorcerer who's too full of himself, basically anybody who's unnecessarily arrogant. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The one guy who plays paladin... Because that's his particular antisocial jams. Yep. Okay. And but- as with most mirrors, it's always fun to just put them at the bottom of a 10-foot pit. <laughs> so they fall down the pit, they look around, they see the mirror, they have no idea how to get out, they're affected by the mirror, then they realize it's only 10 feet. Oh, Purdue the Holy Man. Slightly blander now. Yep. All right, so our last list from Bricken for D&D is Rob does not understand kits and does not understand that NPCs need classes that are not the same as PC classes. Or he doesn't understand how beggars worked in the classic Arabian fantasies. Or he doesn't understand that Gygax named the fighting man because that's just what he called him. And fuck you, Rob Ricken. You don't get to complain about something Gary Gygax writes. Fighting man is basically... Gary Gygax has a vocabulary. He employs it. (laughs) 
Well, did. Did. No, he still does. He is That's out true, there actually. somewhere. Yeah, works. He, I'll, I'll he's, he's playing Al-Kadim with the Grim Reaper himself right now. And oh, here's the I thing. feel like that'd be a boss campaign. <laughs> oh, I know, right? <laughs> okay, I'm flipping through the things and I'm like, you know, peasant hero. Well, no, that was pretty friggin' cool. That was an Aaron Alston creation. Uh, once again, fuck you, Rob Rickon. He's Aaron <laughs> Alston is playing Al-Kadim with Death with Gary right now. Yes. Well, like, Fighting Man, I, I'm sorry, Fighting Man is basically a violent drunk. That's a D&D fighter. Yeah. That is what we are. <laughs> I play fighters more than any other class. Like, second, basically, it goes fighters, barbarians, rangers, and then something yeah, that isn't cleric. Characters that are unlike yourself? No. Okay. But he needs that grounding from which to build outwards. Exactly. Yeah. Plus, I like feats. I like feats, feats a are lot. Nice. Fighting but men did not get feats. No, they just hit people. <laughs> and you know what? We were good at it. Yes, and we liked it. <laughs> and we got a whole V10 and had uh, weapon proficiencies. Fist. <laughs> okay, so beggar. 18 slash 99 strength. Gotta love those days. Yeah. So beggar, again, kits. Racism. 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 Beggar thief, man. Beggar thief. You're a member of a beggar's guild. Yeah. Nobody would suspect the beggar of doing anything truly harmful. He's just, he's one of those poor people there. Just one of those guys, unbeloved by fate. And yet he's a great source of information. And if you turn your back to him and you were pretty unkind, you may not be turning any further. Yes. Okay, peasant hero? Uh, fuck you, it's a Bildungsroman. You can't yep. even... How can you not love the basic idea, though? Like, that's... You start from nothing and grow into something amazing. It's kits. It's kits. It allowed... It was a creation that they brought into the dawn of Second Ed to say, this is your core class, and this is some neat stuff you can do with it. And... Yeah. If you're done being a fighting man, be a peasant hero, and get your... Get your squad of dudes five levels earlier. Yeah. Arctic Druid. Those are rad. Shut up. Yeah. Yeah. Come on. He's uh, He must live in California because he can't understand. There is a lot of stuff alive in the Arctic. Place devoid of nature and covered in snow. Last I checked, no nature still encompasses shit like that. Termigans. <laughs> polar Mr. bears. Brick, got a polar bear here who'd like a word with you? He was An some fucking penguin. <laughs> Mr. Brickett, I've got some walruses who'd like to have a word with you. Defiler, it's setting it's specific, the- it's rad. Who would like to have a word with you? Well, even when it's not setting specific, because I saw them pull this up. Like, this was, there's a version of Defiler in third. Yeah. He's just and- giggling, he's just giggling because he thinks the name sounds silly. Yep. Which comes he- up a few times. Yeah. Right. There's somebody sniggering at you behind your back. Yeah, about that. Do that within Defiler's earshot. See what happens. Okay, so the next one is Anchorite. NPCs yeah. use the same character rules as PCs. Someone who is stuck in one spot is a pretty good NPC. Because yep. guess what? Elminster can go anywhere. So justifying why he is telling you to do this instead of doing it himself is work. An Anchorite who knows something that needs you to do something makes perfect sense. Yes. Do you know what? They're also handy for backup if shit really hits the fan and you need to run back to where they are. Also, it's in Ravenloft. The Anchorite's anchor is the only 
safe place. Yeah. Uh. Hey, here's a class that's specific to Ravenloft and isn't evil. Then it either doesn't exist or you really need its help. Yeah. A barbarian fighter? Barbarians were moved into fighters instead of being their own class. Next. Yeah, that's that, that's it. That that's 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 what it was in AD and D. Clown. And then, uh, it's a city of gold mastica thing. Yeah. So specific setting specific for NPCs. I'm sure you fought like twelve of them before you got to the evil uh, emperor or something. Yeah. Okay. Fetishes. Yeah. Fetishists. Fetish magic is a thing. Yes. It's. It usually refers like fuck. The common part, understanding of voodoo is basically that. Rob giggles when he doesn't understand something. Yep. <laughs> fetishes. Yes, there are sexual fetishes, Rob. There are also focuses and trinkets and other objects that people use to center themselves. It, it's a sub. It's a kit for magic users. Get over it. Yep. He has a problem with fighting man, but not magic user. Magic music man. Yeah, that maybe that's the key. Okay, so number 10 is Unicorn Rider. Looking for a downside, not seeing it. Yep. Yeah, no. I would play a Unicorn Rider. It comes you with could... a free unicorn. A unicorn is letting you ride it. I guarantee whatever the hell you can do is fucking scary. Okay, so uh, the Dandy. And the Laborer. These are a mask- match set from good old Ravenloft. Specifically from- Mask. Yeah, which is a Victorian setting where there were fucking dandies. And there were fucking laborers. Yep. You're right. You didn't this have is to be... play them, but they were around in the setting, so let's describe yep. what they can do. Just That's basically just types of... You didn't have specific character types, you had more social roles. And that's what you played. And people liked it. Yeah. They're not going to be that handy if you're trapezing through Greyhawk, sure. But at the same time, you never really can rule it out. But in a fancy Victoriana, that all works. They yeah. got a soldier. I'm sure he'd find something snarky about that, too. Okay, so the thug. This is another kit. Not a class. Kit. Yep. It's a, It's mostly fighter with a little bit of thief. I like him. Well, well it, it works. It's This is a more brutish fighter. With a bit less of the, I'm just going to cut everything up with swords so I can get more swords to cut things up with mentality. Maybe I'd like to get paid once in a while. Uh, pest controller? Oh, this this annoys me even more. Because you guys ever play Warhammer? Like which Warhammer? Warhammer, Warhammer, or 40k? Warhammer RPG. Not in a long time. Warhammer RPG has, like, basically started as schmuck classes who get better and become actual adventurers. One of the best schmuck classes is a rat catcher. Everyone, Does he eventually control rats? No, he catches rats and kills them for money. Yeah. And basically that's what he does. He has a small but vicious dog as one of his pieces of equipment. There we go. Pest controller, basically that on a different scale. Yeah. And again, not necessarily for players, but a setting element. Yeah. No, I mean, I can see a pest control warrior basically, oh look, we've got a bunch of goblins up here oh look yeah lots of giant rats how often do slow level characters fight giant rats uh is it a percentage approaching 100 yes it is yes all right so number 15 from the same book rapid response rider uh dwarf cavalry dwarf cavalry it's that's something you would expect dwarves to have yes (laughs) thank you for pointing out that they have an operational military Yeah. yeah Okay, so the Ghetto Fighter, it's like Thug, but not. 
Uh, I don't know the context of it, but I'm pretty sure it makes sense in it, and Rob's just being lazy oh, again. It's another complete book of dwarves one. The ghetto fighter never forgets his lowly origins and may harbor resentments against dwarves who are better off. However, he stays true to his roots and tries to live and will try to better the lives of ghetto children. Well, first off, that's an archetype that's kind of common in fiction. And second off, okay. It's a different kind of fighter. Like, Hackmaster's approach to fighter, and I'm just going to pull in Hackmaster for a sec, was fighter was basically trained. And I kind of like that mentality. And these kids smack of a fighter who is less trained it's more personal expertise why not why not dice things up a bit all right so 17 is goblin sticker it's a it's a kit for gnomes slightly less racist than ranger yeah uh gnomes and goblins don't get along i mean that's that's hardly unusual that's Uh, that's the thing there, there's kind of a racial animosity between the two of them. Well, has been for years. Well, when orcs were near, it doesn't make him a bad person. Yeah, no. Uh, so the mouse burglar, it's like cat burglar, but they're for small people. It's yeah. a specialty thief class, whatever. Mine rowdy. Uh, complete book of humanoids. Sure, okay. That was a lame book. Yeah. Lost druid. Okay. They're formidable warriors, but generally lose their druid magic in exchange, which makes them another fighter. I'm assuming it makes them different from the core fighter type. I, I would expect it kit, would, yeah. Let, let's see if I can pull up the text for the kit. Oh, actually, no. They still have spells. Okay. But they're the only druids that get to crast necromancy. Well, there you go. They, they get a better spell list. Okay. Yeah. You don't get to advance to Grand Druid, but you can still go into Hierophant. Yeah, I'm not hearing a downside. I'm just hearing basically an alternative druid path. Yeah, it, it's a druid kit. Okay, pacifist. Some asshole rolled this. But it's for NPCs, probably? Likely? I don't think it's just druids. I think there's also pacifist clerics. Yeah. Yeah. How a pacifist druid ever advances beyond the first level is, well, passive first level is beyond me. Here's the thing, Rob. You go back to AD&D, and there was alternative ways to gain XP that weren't simply punching everything in the nose. Or you could not kill things. Yeah. Yeah. There were rules for being unmurderous. Yep. Hell, rogues got XP relative to the treasure they found. There you go. Speaking of not understanding things, 22, the mountain man, he claims that the kit from this ranger kit is a forest oboe. I claim that all rangers are Our forest, forest hobos. In fact, player characters engage in a great deal of hobo dumb. <laughs> Mountain Man is just a specific flavor of that. It's a kit. If you don't, they're kits. They're whatever. You take them or don't. Oh, the next one. Paladin, Paladin of Slaughter. He says, the idea of someone so completely devoted to evil as regular paladins are to good is absurd, even for D&D. No, it's not. Nothing is absurd for D&D. Absolutely, Absolutely nothing. nothing. I had those in first ed. They've no. been around. Anti-paladins, yeah. basically, since someone heard about paladins, they wanted an evil one. There well, was, it makes sense. There was an article in Dragon that gave the paladins for the other seven alignments. Yeah. Paladin of Freedom is a personal preference in my case. Like, on the occasions where I play Paladins, if the DM will let me, I will go Chaotic Good. I will go full Paladin of Freedom if I can, because I like it more. Paladin of Slaughter? It's... Fuck! Those are scary! It sounds like a 
fascinating villain, and you suck, Rob Rickon. And the last one is the Urban Druid. Why does he hate kits? Why does he hate variant classes? Urban Druid is rad. Yeah. The Urban Anythings are actually really cool variants. I have a crapload of of source books about urban adventuring that I hope to use someday. I really but... want to do some Fritz Library shit. Yeah. yeah. And if you want to be a, rib- a druid in my Fritz Library shit game, you're taking this class. And well, then... otherwise things are going to get awkward. <laughs> yeah. And you know what? We will. It, it'll be like thorough. We will appreciate the nature in the city. If he doesn't think there's nature in a city, I dare him to rub apple butter on his genitals and lie on a hill for one night. Oh God! Oh, God! Right? I just could have gone with her talking about Rob Rickon's genitals. Period. Well, you know, it's a small subject, but one that occasionally brought up. <sighs> All right. So, what have we learned tonight? Rob Rickon doesn't know how to play D anD D or write. That D anD D is full of small absurdity. D anD D would not be D anD D without a litany of small absurdities that we embrace. Well, it's taken alignment language. <laughs> oh God! Don't start with alignment language. D anD D is supposed to be open. You're supposed to be able to tell whatever story, however you want to tell it, with whatever you want to tell, as best you and can is, within the confines yeah. of rolling dice. <laughs> Yeah. So a fighter. That's the most depressing part, I think, of all this. He obviously doesn't get the concept of, of telling stories within the RPG worlds. Yeah. Well, like a fighter, a fighter who picks up a sword is not the same as a fighter who uses a halberd. Is not the same as the fighter who uses a firearm. Is not the same as a fighter who uses a bow. It's not the same as a fighter who has other motivations. Like basic fighter is a chain of feats that you have to tie a story to. If you go into the variations like Thug, if you play a ranger but you want to go spellless because you feel it suits the ranger's appeal more, if you want to go urban druid because that fits the character background story, why the hell not? Like, it's not stupid. It's not out there. It's just a different way to tell the story that you, as a player, want to tell with your friends as part of the greater story you're all there for. Yeah. Are there some games that might be better at this than D&D? Yes. But we all sit down to play D&D because D&D offers something fun in its own right. I like some of these. Some of these kids in here, I would love to try. Like, I would like to sit down and see the full rule set on Clown just to see if there's something in there that you can work with. What was it? Uh, it was Alcadam that had Barber, wasn't it? Or yes. whatever the hell it was called? Barber Thank Surgeon. You. Yeah. Thank you. Like, on a surface level, that sounds asinine. Why would you want to play what amounts to a hairdresser? And then it's like, no, seriously, look at that thing. Barber is a lot more than just... Oh, it's a hell of a lot more than just a hairdresser. But that's what I mean. Like, if you do surface level on this shit, sure. Some of it doesn't look appealing. Some of it isn't appealing. But if you're literally going to judge a book by its cover or a class by its name, maybe this game just isn't for you. Well, at least he's mostly reviewing TV shows now. Yeah. No, that's fine. Sure. I don't watch TV. Man, you know who made up? You know who is responsible for the clown kit? John Tweet and John Nephew. Ah! <laughs> Those guys know what they're doing. Yeah. Have you found the rules on it, or what? I have not found anything sort of in the vein of the text. Okay, there's a proper noun attached to them for it. That might be the problem. Okay. It's a Zuni ritual clown. There... 
I think they get Claret spells. Okay, then that's something different than a clown. Yeah, it's not a clown. It's not a jester. It's a, it's a thing. That that is not just a joker, like. Although those have their place within the settings. Yeah. 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 Hell, if memory serves, there is a jester class. Yes, there is. You know what? City of Gold's like eight bucks on Amazon. I might buy it. <laughs> buy it and review it for IO9. Oh, I would do that. That does sound like a good idea. You might get paid for it. See, I'm I'm, I'm curious why he didn't object. I'm now looking at second AD, AD&D um, kits and alt classes, and I'm like, well, what, what doesn't he have against um, let's see, uh, Hunters, traders, uh, ceruleans. Um, what's another weird one? Totem sisters, uh, dilettantes. What? 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 What's right about Parsons? What? 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 Why are Dreamweaver, Dreamwalkers immune? What about charlatans? He probably just never found them. Uh, what about? Uh, he might only have. He might only have City of Gold, Elves of Evermeet, and the and the Alcadim books. Starting to wonder if the books he got were just something friends gave him to shut him up. Yeah. Or literally, he just went to Half Price Books one day and said, uh, give me $20 with a Take anything. Uh, dragons, please. Oh, come on. The complete book of Necromancers has Philosopher in it. He couldn't find anything wrong with that? Oh, there's Wait. a Druid kit for Natural Philosopher. Wait, there's a Philosopher class? Two! What the hell do we do as a class? I, I, I want to know. Well, 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 let's see what the necromancer variant does. Wait, we can get necromancy? I've been lied to! <laughs> this, this is what D&D is, has been misleading us about. We don't get druid powers or necromancies. The philosopher studies necromancy out of an overpowering desire to master the forbidden and secret arts shunned by the rest of the world. Indeed, if necromancy were not publicly reviled or a topic of social taboo, the philosopher would not give this school of magic much more than a cursory thought. That actually sounds completely legit, and is partially why I would pursue necromancy were it real. The philosopher is curious about the forbidden, fascinated by the obscure. The black arts are especially tempting to this wizard, who craves to unravel all the dark hidden mysteries of the universe. I need to play this class. We, yeah. Let's bust out some AD and D. Yeah, this this is a wonderful idea. Let's do it. And on that note, and on that note, we're going to talk about playing D and D instead of complaining about who people are assholes. Yeah, it's because playing D and D is more fun than complaining. Yes, I don't know. Judging by what we've been doing for the past two hours, complaining is pretty fucking fun. Oh, I'm not saying it's not. Well, but D&D that is more the contents fun. of the role-playing forums around the world. Not Watsies anymore. Yes. I don't know why they shut those down. There's a reason or two. Yes. Yeah. But I'm more thinking, you know, if Rob would spend more time playing D&D and less time trying to rack his brain about what he needs to hate in it, it's maybe, just, maybe he'd have some fun. It's a machine, and that that is unfortunately what gets clicks these days. Cheesy, snarky listicles on the next Geraldo. I found a version of the philosopher class that apparently makes us immune to moral penalties. Rad. <laughs> Inner peace? This was not written by anybody who's ever taken a philosophy class. <laughs> immune to confusion, immune to fear, immune to moral penalties, immune to compulsions, 
immune to phantasms. Ooh, I like that one. Yeah, and immune to charm. I like all of these. Let's all yeah. let let let's play the stupid. We're gonna go roll up characters for Rob Brickin's stupidest D and D game, ever, and we're gonna have a blast. <laughs> it will be a lot of fun. It won't be racist. Good night. Good night. Have a good night, everybody. Gosh, I thought they smelled bad on the outside. I thought they smelled bad on the outside. It's released under Creative Commons Attribution Share of Life Non-Commercial 3.0 International License. Please visit spopodcast.com for contact information, social media links, and past episodes.